welcome to my resellers podcast where I'm going to tell you what I've learned in the last two years of being a reseller so you can be a better reseller straight out the gate and wholesale there are some pretty big differences between between the risks involved in each item or in each category rather so thrifting you know when we go to the thrift store and we buy something and we usually try not to spend over a certain amount of money I don't know what it is for you I try not to spend over five dollars except if it's a really expensive brand that I know will resell for a much higher value and then I'll pay up but I try not to spend more than 20 um, but I have paid up to 30 before for an item which didn't pan out as well as I thought but I did make double my money so I made $60 out of the deal and I made my money back and I made some more money on top of it. And that's really what you're trying to do. But when you're thrifting, it's really the cheaper part of it. So retail arbitrage, I, I would say would be the middle risk factor. Poshmark just kicked off, if you will, <laughs> no pun intended, um, the kicks market, but it's only for men, which I think is a little sexist. You know, girls wear sneakers too. It's not just guys. But, um, and so maybe they'll be like kicks women's market. I don't know, but they haven't yet. And I just think it's so weird. It just drives me a little nuts that it's just men's. Like we don't wear sneakers. Okay. Rant over, at least for now for that. But if you're looking for it's a and it's really kind of a different kind of risk factor because you're you're paying a little bit more but you're also going to make a little bit less because when you thrift an item and you pay two dollars for it and, and you sell it for 30 that's a giant profit margin it really is it's a huge profit margin even though Poshmark's taking 20 percent of it if you sell for something for $30 you make $24 if you pay two dollars you made $22 profit on the item and that's a giant profit margin it just is but if you do retail arbitrage and let's say you bought something that's for 10 bucks and depends on what you're doing it on if you're doing it on higher-end items you're gonna make a bigger profit it just that's the way that works but unless it's like a super hot item so I'm trying right now it's kind of after I'm talking about this but right now I decided to do a little bit of vineyard vines retail arbitrage and this is kind of different because Vineyard Vines decided they're going to do a limited collection for Target and so they're on the high end of what Target would charge for items you know but you a lot of items were gone you know I think it came out on Saturday and this is Monday so I decided to you know try it out and I bought some shorts I bought some dresses and I bought some swimsuits and I bought some bags and some fanny packs and we'll see how they do because um, they're selling for much higher than they even retailed at Target for because they're a limited edition they won't be replenishing this inventory so because they won't be re replenishing this inventory in Target that makes them sought after and makes them only a certain amount went out so they're some in some cases people have been able to double their money buying it at full retail from the store and then they're turning around going online and flipping it for either 50% of what they over what they paid or 100% of over what they paid so I've seen like some of the dresses I bought 
they've gone anywhere from $60 for pricing, like they've been sold for 60 bucks, but they were only sold originally for, I think, $35. But then you got to take, you know, Poshmark's fees and then, but it depends on if there's more people out there that want the item, then there is the item, which is supply and demand. If there's a less of a supply, but more of a demand, that will always drive the price up. So if you have more of an item than people are wanting to buy, then that always drives the price down. And that's what they can, they call a flooded market. And there's so many of one item and they're vying for the buyers. Then that's a market that's been flooded. And they usually call that a buyer's market because then you can kind of pick your, your cheapest one. But if you're in a seller's market, that means there's more people wanting the item than there is people selling the item. And so sometimes people can up, 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 up that price to a point. I mean, take example, the Starbucks cups that came out, the rainbow, the stacking cups that came out. I think they retailed from Starbucks for what? $30 or something like that, $30, $35. And I saw them on eBay for like $90 being sold. And they were selling for $90 because there's a limited edition. It was a limited supply of them that Starbucks only put out so many. And so they know that happens. And, you know, next week there'll be a new cup. But um, these, for whatever reason, took off. And so people were just buying them and they can't find them. So if people really want the item, they'll pay up for it. So we'll see, because I, I price my items a little bit, like kind of in the middle of what people are asking for these items. Um, the people that are cheaper than me, they'll probably sell first, and then hopefully it keeps going, and then they'll buy mine, and then so on and so forth. But normally, for retail arbitrage, people usually um, go to like TG Maxx, or they go to... Marshalls or they go to Ross or or any store that's having a sale that's a pretty good sale some people do it at anthropology if they're having a pretty good sale you try to buy as low as possible of course pay special attention when you're doing retail arbitrage especially at the the secondary retailers like TJ Maxx Ross and Marshalls are all secondary retailers they were not the primary retailers of these items they were in another store or somewhere else first usually and then they didn't sell in that other place. And so they got liquidated over to TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Ross. You want to make sure that the items you're getting aren't damaged because that sometimes is what happens is a store will send over. I think I can't, I can't tell you for sure, but this is my hypothesis from, from just what I've noticed being at TJ Maxx or whatnot is they either have a, a lot of stuff goods that aren't selling well in their store and they want to turn over their inventory and so they sell them to these other retailers so they're getting their money or a portion of their money back and so there's not a complete loss for them or maybe they're selling to them but costs I don't know I don't know how that really works because I've never worked for any of those companies also they're they're sending over their returns so maybe something was damaged or they're sending over their damaged goods because I've bought plenty of items that looked perfect and then I got them home and I needed some work and so I've had to repair them. And luckily I know how to repair items. Also, that's a good skill set to have is to be able to repair like simple repairs. I don't mean anything really complex, nothing that even requires a sewing machine. Just be able to do a blind stitch hem, start watching videos. It's not that hard. Once you figure out how to do it by hand, you can pretty much do it pretty fast. And, and be able to like mend 
small small tears or you know in, in seams because that's the easiest ones to do the ones that are like just the seams have come apart from each other those are the easiest ones to repair if you use a, a thread that's close to the original thread it's hardly noticeable of course you always want to disclose it that you've repaired part of the item I always do that as well and um, that way there's no surprises so the the new owner understands okay well there was the hem came apart here and this is where I stitched back together and but you can't tell and they of course show a picture of of the repair I don't show a picture of before I only show a picture of what the repair looks like so people can judge for themselves and and be an informed buyer and so that's pretty much retail arbitrage. You know, I do this on Old Navy, especially the pixie pants. They do really well. Like you go in the end of spring or summer, go to their clearance and they're blowing them out for like $4 each, 4 or $5 each. And then I'll go and I'll buy a bunch of them and um, in all different sizes. And I've never been stuck with any of them. Like they always sell. The Pixie and the Harper always do really well because people love those styles and they're actually not, they're not um, poorly made pants. They're actually pretty well made and they're nice and comfortable. Then I will put them in my store for 30. Now I know I'm not gonna get 30, I know that. But that lets people put in an offer and I pretty much accept any offer, except if it's like $10, then I don't accept that offer. Although I would be making like $2 on it, but normally I usually get about 15 to 20. And then a couple of pairs I've gotten like $25 each for them great someone wants to pay me for 25 bucks cool so I paid five bucks I made a $20 or well they pay $20 on Poshmark it's $20 means I've made $15 but still $15 profit off a $5 purchase is really really good for retail arbitrage there's not always the margins in there the last part of this is gonna be wholesale wholesale is a beast on its own so you can be either real successful or real unsuccessful when it comes to that. There are a couple pitfalls, especially when it comes to Poshmark. So Poshmark has the wholesale market, which I never buy from, but it does have some value. I won't devalue it completely. The reason why I kind of devalue it is because it's super overpriced and you can only buy a certain amount because you know their labels are also only five pounds when I buy wholesale from an outside source it's usually between 30 and 40 pounds and I pay about about $30 30 about 30 some odd dollars in shipping I do have to pay shipping but the person I'm buying it from is usually the manufacturer um, you can buy them for from people that are um, intermediaries uh, basically middlemen or women let's be politically correct middle people there we go we'll call them middle people but that middle person will mark it up there's a real name for them I, I want to call them consolidator but I don't think it's that's not the right term uh, distributor there are people out there that are distributor, and I think that's what mainly consists of the of the wholesale market on Poshmark is a uh, mainly I think they're distributors some of them might be the actual like tea and cup is the I they are the actual manufacturers and they're also on fa fashiongo.net which is what I use the, the app I use it's like a giant wholesale mall that's online basically and you can find a lot of things and it's 
very similar to shopping like on Poshmark where everyone has their individual little little stalls, if you will. Uh, some of them have a certain amount of money you have to spend. Like some of them you have to spend over $300 or $500. And so the risk to you financially is bigger. That's one good thing about the Poshmark market for wholesale. But the problem is, and it's a giant problem I find, is that usually the prices are double of what they are in the fashion go like I found items on the wholesale market and then I go over to fashiongo.net and you can only see things in fashiongo.net if you signed up with them and you can only sign up with them if you have a business license and have a reseller's license and so I do have that so I had to had to actually send them a picture of my reseller's license in order for them to approve my application to belong to that that's also something you would need in order to do wholesale outside of Poshmark. In order to buy things outside of Poshmark, you would need to have a reseller's license. And so you need to get that set up in your individual state. I cannot give you advice on how to do that. So if you live in Washington, well, I live in Washington. So um, Department of Revenue of Washington does the business licenses and stuff like that. Go to them and they will have instructions and tell you what you need to do. Do that because there's 50 states it's like having 50 countries and they all are different even if you're Washington State please just go and read it for yourself and then it's not that complicated but you have to sign up with a few things and and then you have to pay your $20 I think it's like $24 to get a business license it's really cheap if you want to just try an item just to see the interest in it and to see if it would sell well and you do have a business license so you, or a reseller's license you could buy outside of Poshmark, it actually would be a good idea to just sample an item because it's really hard to just sample an item from directly from the manufacturer because they want you to buy in bulk. They want you to buy a large amount all at once. And if you're not real sure what you should be buying or what does well for you in your particular closet, um, you might end up wasting a lot of money. So I've not lost any money, but sometimes I could have made way more money if I made better choices early on. So it's really a learning process. So I can see the Poshmark market for the wholesale working well for that because the wiggle room and with their MSRP and how much they're, they're charging is really small, like super small. And it should be a bit wider than that. But wholesale is really is fickle. You got to have a good grasp. So much like thrifting, it's a lot of trial and error because just because something does well in one person's closet doesn't mean it's going to do well in yours. It really kind of depends on what you carry overall, what you like. And I think picking things you really, really like and are, and you are excited about. If it's close to the aesthetic of your closet already, it'll probably do pretty well, but you gotta worry about the price point. So if you spend a whole bunch of money, like let's say you spend a thousand dollars getting inventory from a, a wholesaler or even 500 and you spend $15 and it ends up being like $15 an item basically, which is a little high, but if you're buying better quality items, then they should sell for higher, but you gotta know that they're better quality items, and it's hard to know that um, up front. So also, that's a good way to test out 
if it's a manufacturer in the Poshmark app, that's a good way to test them out to see what the what's the quality of their items. Is it you know Old Navy quality or is it uh, more Nordstrom quality? Because that's a there's a very big difference between those two retailers. Um, because one their max price point is probably around a hundred dollars, whereas Nordstrom their max price point is you know thousands of dollars depending on the designer and whatnot and the hype over it. So that's basically the difference. So I would I would categorize thrifting as your lowest the your lowest risk, mid to high reward. Whereas retail arbitrage is more risk financially. If you're doing a bunch of shoes and they're selling really fast and flying off your shelf, you're spending twenty dollars or seventeen dollars per shoe and or per pair of shoes and they're selling for like eighty, ninety dollars, you're doing really well. Keep doing that. Keep crushing that. Once you figure out something that's working well for you, emulate that over and over again. And then that's what creates success. Um, and the same thing for wholesale. So that I'd say is the most financial risky. I'd say it's mid mid reward, but depends on what you're doing. So it could be low to high reward, depending on what you're selling, depending on the quality of the items you're selling. If there's a market on the marketplace you're doing it on for those specific items, if that makes any sense. Because if you're trying to market towards an audience that doesn't even shop on Poshmark, you're not going to do that well. But if you are catering towards people that are already there, that are already looking for items that are like that, then you can stand to do really, really well. And there are, there are people that only have a boutique and only sell wholesale items. And they've made a pretty lucrative business doing that. So it, it really depends on what risk and how much you want to kind of manage that. Um, there's way less listing when it comes to wholesale because you're getting multiple quantities of one item rather than getting one, all these different items from thrifting. And, and that's part of a time saver. So, you know, if you did find stuff that's doing really well, then you can keep doing that and keep replenishing old listings and just upping the quantity you have. So it, it really depends on what your you're going after but what I suggest is if you're just starting out to not do wholesale don't even think about wholesale for maybe like the first six months or even a first year figure out what you want to carry figure out what the um, if you want to carry everything I'm, I'm pretty eclectic I pretty much pick up a lot and some people would say that they wouldn't pick up half of my closet and some people would pick up more than I would pick up from the stores I really like thrifting. I enjoy it. I enjoy the bins. So I will probably, my business model will always probably include that aspect of it because I enjoy that part of it. I do like wholesale. I like the idea of it, but it's not as enjoyable to me. And so I'm not even quite sure I'm going to keep going on the wholesale part, on the boutique part, unless it's stuff I'm making. Like I have been making jean purses from old jeans. And I sold one so far, but I've only made like five. So I think I'm going to continue to do that because I haven't um, been doing that. And I have a little bit more time on my hands. So I actually could probably whip out quite a few more, you know, that I could put that at my boutique. Then it's pretty low 
low risk because I didn't have to pay that much for each pair of jeans because I got a lot of them from ThreadUp jean boxes, although those prices went up apparently. Some people have gotten some really good things from it, so I don't know. I'm not sure if I'll, I'll do those in the future or not. Retail arbitrage, if you're comfortable and you have the money and you're, you know what you're looking for and you've figured a few things out, then um, by all means, do it. But don't go very deep until you know that I what you're buying is doing well for you. Go wide first before you go deep because that will give you, you can put out more feelers and you can see what's doing more for you, doing well for you, and then find out those items that are doing really well, then buy more of them and not the others. How you pretty much figure out what's going to sell better for you when it comes to retail arbitrage. It's hit and miss, but you know good luck to you. And I hope this podcast was helpful. Let me know if, um, DM me in Instagram. I'm under Vandy's closet, all one word, V-A-N-D-I-S-C-L-O-S-E-T. Send me a message in Instagram. Don't just say hi, cause I just ignore those because half of them are guys just spamming you. Anyway, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.